Hey guys, and welcome to the third installation of the Twin Tiger Show. My name is Tiger Aaron, alongside with Tiger Drew. And this week we are going to talk about a little bit of a scary Halloween we had. Might have been the scariest Halloween I have experienced in uh, in the past few years. Uh, we will also talk about a little bit of the question mark and feelings and takes that we have on the quarterback situation for this week. And we'll also talk about the preview for Saturday's game against number four, Notre Dame. But let's get into the nitty-gritty. I hope you guys took your bare aspirin because we're talking about that scary BC game. Uh, kind of, kind They kind of had us in the first half. Uh, we saw our secondary struggling in main coverage a little bit, but that was more of a props to Dracovic and Boston College of finding a way, finding a way and finding a scheme to really test our DBs. Uh, I mean, just from the start to the end of the game, it was a pretty sloppy game from Clemson. And not to take away anything from Boston College, but as but as you saw throughout the game, it just kind of felt like any time Clemson would get the stop against Boston College and would slow them down, Clemson themselves would find a way to keep Boston College in it, whether it be through an offsides penalty, roughing the passer, a targeting, whatever you may have, Clemson found ways to keep Boston College in it. Um, but yeah, Drew, what did you see from the uh, secondary in Boston College that just kind of made you feel that it wasn't going to be the prettiest game? Yeah, I mean, early in the early in the first half, you know, it, it whatever they wanted to do offensively seemed to be working. They would just throw it up, and somehow, you know, their guys would come down with it. We were leaving our guys on islands a little bit, blitzing, which I don't mind. I, I love being aggressive on blitzing. I know that's something that Coach V likes to do, so I have no problem with that. But it had it kind of made me think about the uh, 2018 game against Texas A&M, where you know they were just throwing balls up and somehow their guy would come down with it and you know that that fluky of a thing can't happen for a full game if it does that's how that's how upsets happen but um with a defensive coordinator like coach v and with the guys that we have we know that's not going to happen for a full game so it was it was a little frustrating but um i don't i don't there yeah it's just uh yeah i if we were to face a playoff caliber team, a ACC championship caliber team, or if we are to do what we did this past week against Notre Dame again, I do feel the outcome of the game will be different. But it is one of those things that we have seen in the past. Clemson plays up to their opponents and then sometimes plays down to their opponents. So I think, think this was just kind of that week where Clemson played down a little bit with it being a third straight noon kickoff, I kind of have the feeling like the guys got out there sleepwalking and just, you know, weren't really prepared for that noon kickoff. And, um, but as much as a negative Nancy, you know, I would like to be, fact of the matter is, I mean, we came back from 18 down at home, came back from 15 down at halftime, set new school record for the largest home home comeback in history. And we did it with a true freshman quarterback who had never started before and was thrown in, thrown into the spotlight two days, two days before kickoff. 
You know, DJ played a phenomenal game, probably the best game you, you could have asked for from a guy being put in that situation. And in reality, on the offensive side of the ball, I saw no difference whether it, it would be Trevor or DJ or whomever. Our offense was still clicking. We were moving the ball very well. It just happened that Boston College got a few got a few lucky plays in there with that with that what would have been a field goal then an offsides then just that weird touchdown pass to to go up eighteen and then even before that tra- uh, Travis just forgetting how to take a handoff and fumbling it and them picking it up and scooping and scoring for for ninety five plus yards. <sighs> You know, as at every turn, Clemson would do something that would give Boston College a chance, and that did nothing to affect our offense, to affect Travis, to affect DJ. And you honestly couldn't ask for anything more from our offense. I mean, there were times our our offensive line was struggling to get the push, to win the trenches, to get up to the second level of the defense. And it kind of bottled up Travis a little bit to where we had to get creative in getting him the ball. But I think I think you noted during our prep, it isn't an all offensive lineman issue. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I after every game I go through and I, I do my homework and I rewatch the games and everything and you know, the narrative out there is that Clemson's offensive line just isn't any good. They just don't have the guys to do it. And uh, I, I just don't think that's – I don't think that's accurate. I think that's a, a lazy assumption that people throw around. Um, you know, pass blocking this O-line's been, been pretty good. Uh, I don't have any, any exact stats for it, but just watching the games, they've been pretty good in pass pro. Um, and if you, if you go back and you watch, most of these teams are, you know, just – looking at Clemson and saying, you're not going to run the ball on us. So what they're doing is very, very rarely do they have less than a seven-man box. And quite frequently, they're they're creeping that safety up and, you know, just cheating the run game a little bit. And especially in this Boston College game, because I don't think that they thought Clemson was going to let DJ air it out deep. I don't think they were going to let him uh, throw it all over the yard, just kind of keep everything close to the vest. So they would cheat their safeties up and try to bring them up and run support, and and it worked for most of the game. I know I know Travis finished with right around like eighty four, eighty five yards rushing, but that's the that's the thing with Travis. He gets he gets his rushing and receiving. Um, but I mean, these teams, they're not dumb. You know, it's pick your poison, and they're they're picking to stop the run. So they're bringing seven, eight guys, putting them in, the box and saying, throw the ball. You got to beat us. And you know, so far that's what we've been doing. So the whole narrative of the offensive line just not being any good. I think it's just a lazy assumption. And if you go back and watch the game, you'll kind of have a a little bit of a different perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking at it, uh, just, just when our ones are in the game. So when Trevor is in the game, he's, he's only been sacked eight times and DJ got sacked once last week. So our, our offensive line in the pass protection has played a very pivotal role. They've also been very minimal in in the holding penalty. Um, in in all honesty, I've kind of seen if there were to be 
an issue or a question mark or a, ooh, that guy's not playing too well guy, it could be Jackson Carmen. But the thing about Jackson is, I mean, he's still probably the first or second best tackle in in college football. So seeing him just kind of make these small mistakes is a little disconcerting. But at the end of the day, those small mistakes for him are still nothing to be concerned about. It's still Jackson Carmen out there. He's still protecting he's still protecting the blind side and really just slowing down some of the best defensive ends in college football in the ACC and us as Clemson fans we've been spoiled we've had some of the best offensive lines year in year out for years so when we see our offensive line even I would even like to say struggle now, just when we see them not being able to get the push that we have come to expect, it is concerning. But as you said, I mean, this might be the third straight third straight week where I've seen just defenses go wholesale on stopping our run game. We saw it against Tech, we saw it against Qs, and now we saw it against BC. And you're right, they're stacking the box. They are they are sending their linebackers to fill in the gaps early on on a run play. And I guess the only way you could protect the offensive line there and to limit only one, two, three yard runs is is I guess to get the uh the uh RPO back into the offense because we have seen a little bit of a slowdown and I guess conservative play calling in that sense. We haven't seen a lot of RPOs. And I do and I just have the feeling we're limiting those play calls. So we just have like a guarantee, like, all right, this this ball is going to Travis. Like we're just gonna hand it off to him. And even though he'll get stopped for like two or three yards yards, at the end of the day, it's still number nine. He's he's still gonna break something. He's still gonna get that big yard play, whether it be this touch or next touch or five touches or wherever. If you give nine the ball enough times, he's going to make a play and he's going to embarrass the defense. So I just kind of feel like our RPO scheme has kind of taken a little bit of a backseat just to the fact that we have the best running back in college football. I, the, I am set on that. I believe that. I think the RPO stuff is – you kind of saw us go away from it just a little bit this past weekend because it's one thing to do it whenever Trevor's in the game. You know, I know nobody wants to see Trevor get hurt, and, and nobody should, but you still have a five-star behind him. But with DJ in the game, you should, I mean, you don't have a five-star behind him that can come in if anything were to happen. So I know he's still – you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's still nursing the shoulder a little bit. I'm sure it's still sore. Um, so you don't want to run that risk. Him re-aggravating it, but, you know, I think whenever they came out in the second half and they were like, yeah, we might need to run the quarterback a little bit. You know, we, we come out and we get a 30-yard touchdown run on a on a read option to the right side with DJ. So I definitely think it's still there. I just think they're being a little bit more cautious about it with, uh, with Trevor being out for a couple games. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just you – you look at Twitter during the game and everyone's like, hey, 
where's the RPO, where's the read options, where, you know, where is quarterback power? And, and I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head with Trevor. It's one of those things like we don't want to see our number one overall Heisman quarterback go down, but Hey, as we saw this past weekend, we have a five-star, we have a baller, we have another Heisman quality quarterback behind Trevor. So if Trevor were to go down, we have that backup, but after DJ, we don't have that guy. I mean, Tyson Fumichon's a phenomenal quarterback, but we've kind of seen this year it is a talent drop between DJ and Tyson, Trevor and Tyson, and so on and so forth. While the drop between Trevor and DJ, honestly, from going from a starting quarterback to a backup quarterback is pretty minimal. You know, our playbook was wide open for most of the game, and it's nice to see uh, – Elliot and Sweeney have that confidence in DJ to just go, Hey, I don't care if you're our fourth string, fourth string quarterback, you're, you're big Cinco. We're throwing the ball. And that's, and that's, and that's what we did. We threw the ball. We were pass heavy for most of the game. I mean, Travis got 27 touches and he had 140 yards through the air. You know, we just, we find ways to get our to get our guys the ball, whether it be through the air or through the ground or whatever. So, as much as I want to be a, a negative Nancy and go like, "Oh my God, we were thirty point favorites and 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 we only won by you know a one score game and they were beating us for half the game like blah, 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 this 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 and that at the end of the day it was a phenomenal offensive performance and the second half defense itself was also phenomenal I mean you know Travis fi- finally got the ACC all-time rushing record he's finally passed Ted Brown and hey he did it in I'm pretty sure like 60 less 60 less carries than Ted you know, so he has now cemented himself, and I think he already was, but he has now done it legit. There's no questions about it. Travis Etienne is probably the best running back in ACC football history. Uh, and then, you know, like I said earlier, DJ just had a phenomenal game. He went 30 for 40, 30 for 41 for 342 yards and two touchdowns with no interceptions. And like you said, he had that 35-yard uh, touchdown run, which was the difference in the game, which was the winning play. So as, as negative as people want to be, it was just I can't hate this game too much because we had, we had a lot of missing pieces, and it didn't affect how we played when, when we were playing well, if that makes any sense. When we weren't being stupid – and just having bad penalties and, or dropping the ball. Like, if you take away, I'd say, one penalty from that game and you take away just a stupid drop, a lack of fundamentals, a lapse in judgment by Travis, I think the game could have been just flipped on its head, com- completely different. No one's talking about, like, oh, my God, what if Clemson loses the Notre Dame? Everyone's saying, wow, would you look at that? Clemson loses – Trevor Lawrence and they still go on to beat the crap out of BC. 
So I can't be super negative about it. And I guess plus side going into it is we've seen DJ play and we've seen DJ play against a not terrible defense, you know, with, with Trevor being out that this next week because of his uh, COVID positive, some fans are scared. I'm not too scared of Notre Dame because our quarterback situation is probably the best quarterback situation in college football. And, you know, we're replacing Heisman quality with Heisman quality, with a five-star, with a five-star, with a number one overall quarterback, with a number one overall quarterback. I mean, I don't like when people say it, but it's just pure fact fact at this point. We have an embarrassment of riches, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah, this quarterback room is, you know, we've we've coined the phrase "we too deep," and I mean, this quarterback room is just crazy. It's tough to it's tough enough to have a, a super high quality starter like Trevor, but anytime you can bring in a backup who's, you know, also the number one quarterback from his class and just so happens to be six five and two hundred fifty pounds as a as an eighteen year old kid with the arm talent that DJ has, that's I mean that's just scary. Yeah, it's just it kind of it kind of makes you wonder, and you see how well DJ did with two days to prepare. I don't even think he had like a full contact practice because we were in the later segments of the week of preparation and you see him do that now the question is what can he do with the full week of preparation with the entire with with sunday film as qb1 with monday practice as qb1 with tuesday scout team as qb1 with all these days to prepare as as qb1 with getting the reps with the ones being in the same backfield as nine throwing it out to throwing it out to Cornell, throwing it out to Amari, throwing it out to EJ, throwing it to Brandon every day in practice. It kind of makes you wonder, like, if DJ, or not even if, when DJ just has that, like, oh, my God, performance. Because as good as he did against Boston College, no one's going, oh, my God. And I really think Saturday versus Notre Dame, we could see that. We could see just – just the breakout game where DJ kind of shows the country why he is big Cinco, why he, why he was the number one quarterback, why he, and also why he chose Clemson, you know? So looking forward to Saturday, you know, uh, this is a, this is a weird Notre Dame team. I mean, they're six and oh, they're undefeated. They're Notre Dame, you know, those those three sentence fragments do a lot to scare a lot of teams. Personally, I'm not super scared of this Notre Dame team, and some people might ask why. Well, let's just look at what this Notre Dame team has done versus who they have played. They've gone six and zero. Hey, going undefeated throughout halfway over halfway through the season is an accomplishment of itself. I will never take take that away from any team. You know, you you could be facing Clemson and Alabama's every week, or you could be facing high school teams. You're undefeated. 
you've earned that respect. But Notre Dame has done it against a schedule that fails to produce a single winning team. Week one, they opened up against Notre Dame. I mean, uh, they, they opened up against Duke. Duke this season is two and five. You know, uh, they they play week two, or they they play their second game against USF. USF only has one win on the season. You know, they're they were supposed to play Wake. Wake is the only team on on their schedule with a five hundred plus record. That game was postponed due due to COVID. And then they go up against Florida State, who's kind of been a roller coaster of a team this year. But it's kind of weird to say now, but it's Florida State. They just they, – they aren't that marquee win. And then they go up against a 2-5 and five Louisville team who a lot of people had high hopes for this season, and they win 12-7 to seven in what might have been one of the just – an ugly game on both sides of the field. And I mean, 12, 12 to seven says, says a lot, especially against a two and five team, you know, and then they come back, they bounce back and they molly Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's three and four Pittsburgh was without their starting quarterback without, in my opinion, the second best starting quarterback in the ACC in Kenny Pickett Pitt was without that, Pitt was was without their guy, and they won forty five to three. And then this past weekend, they played against Georgia Tech. They beat Tech thirty one thirteen. We dismantled Tech, and from watching the replays of that Tech team, who played Notre Dame, and the Tech team that played Clemson, I'm being honest, the Tech team that played Clemson had more fire in them. They had more passion. They were more involved in the game. While versus Notre Dame, it was a little bit of a sleepwalking tech team. You know, Sims wasn't airing it out, wasn't throwing, wasn't really given the time to throw. <laughs> While versus Clemson, he was throwing it deep. He was finding his guys. He was scrambling. He was, he was creating opportunity. So this Notre Dame team is a very talented team. It's, it's a very talented talented roster, but if I'm to be completely honest with you, they're not playing the way that, that you would expect the number four team in the, in the country to kind of be. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree anymore. I think, I think if you go into this game expecting that it's going to be a pushover, you're going to be mistaken. I mean, I do think Notre Dame is very talented and they've, you know, I mean, they've got a good coach, not a great coach. Um, they definitely have got talent all across the board, but kind of piggybacking on what you said, they just haven't played anybody with, with a pulse even. I mean, even whenever they played uh, Louisville, you said Louisville was, I think, two and five, something like that. I mean, Ian booked through for 100, 105 yards, I think. They ran. I mean, they had 127 rushing yards with one back, but he had 25 carries. So, anytime you're only scoring 12 points in a football game, I don't care who you're playing, that's – I mean, what, what is this, 1940? So, uh, Notre Dame's good. They give you a little bit of reason to, to be nervous and kind of sit back and think about it, but this isn't, this isn't your granddad's Notre Dame. I don't, I don't see – nothing about them really jumps off the page, and 
makes me quiver and makes me super nervous for him. Yeah, I mean, I kind of hate to say it, but this past weekend against Boston College, I think Clemson faced the best Notre Dame quarterback they will have faced this year in um, Dracovich, who transferred from Notre Dame. And I think watching that game, a lot of people on Twitter were saying it, and I couldn't agree more. How did Notre Dame let that kid go? And nothing against Ian Book. Like, I get it. He's the senior. He has been their guy since his sophomore year. He, he has taken them to a college football playoff appearance. He has thrown for three th- – uh, for uh, he, he is just coming off a year where he threw for 3,000 yards. But I just feel like Ian Book is kind of sleepwalking through this season. He's just kind of being – he isn't taking over. He isn't being the kind of quarterback that people thought he was going to be this year. He isn't He isn't the second-best quarterback in, in – in the ACC right now. He, he he simply isn't, you know, and, you know, Notre Dame fans are going to give me slack, like, oh, oh, that's not our offense. That's not how we play and this and that. But I'm going to be honest. Like, I've watched film on this Notre Dame team. I've watched their games. I've kept up with the stats. I don't think this Notre Dame offense has an identity. I really don't. When we faced BC, BC is coming off a complete, rebuild of their program's identity, of their offensive identity. They're throwing the ball more. They're attacking you deep. And I see that, and then I look at this Notre Dame team, and I'm like, you know, Ian Book is only averaging 200 yards a game. He's only averaging a a touchdown, like a touchdown a game. You know, he has seven touchdowns in six games. You know, they have, um, they have, uh, Kyron Williams, who is having a good season, he's, you know, he, his stats are almost very comparable or almost identical to Travis on the rushing side. But the, the, this Notre Dame offense, in my opinion, doesn't have, a, doesn't have the kind of playmakers Clemson does. And they're still a very good offense. I think – you know, whatever the outcome Saturday is, I do think Notre Dame's going to make the ACC championship. I think they they have a chance to play for a playoff spot. So I'm not taking that away. I just think right now in the moment where I am sitting, I just don't see a significant identity to this Notre Dame offense. Yeah, I think uh, I think this Notre Dame offense is is more of – you know, like a game-managing type offense. They're not going to go out here and, and sling it all over the field and, and be super flashy. I think their game plan is hold the ball as long as they can, drive down the field and be efficient. And if not, I don't think they can do a whole lot because whenever you get them out of that rhythm, I don't think I don't think they're capable of slinging it all over the all over the yard and and wowing you with these crazy big plays. I, uh, you know, Ian Book. I remember playing him two years ago in the playoffs and everybody super hyped on the kid and was expecting big things. And now he is, you know, your prototypical game manager. I don't think there's anything special about him. Six foot tall, I mean, yeah. 206 pounds. You know, he's had a, he's had a fine season, but I think he needs to, uh, I don't think he's showing what, what everybody expected of him. I mean, yeah, it, 
I it's just you couldn't have said it better. This Notre Dame offense is is a game managing offense. They aren't gonna beat you with the big play. They aren't gonna you know throw it all over the yard. They're just gonna move the ball down the field. They're gonna maintain possession and 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 they're gonna get the points. They're gonna take the points you give them, and just over the past few years, as we've seen from game management offenses with that game manager quarterback, whether it be Jake, honestly, I don't even, yeah, I think the only game management offense I've seen similar to this in years past has been UGA with Jake Fromm or just UGA in, in general. And what do you see when they go up against a team, the caliber of Clemson, or I mean, yeah, when, when they play Alabama, a team with a very talented offense, an explosive offense and a defense who shuts down game managers. They just lay an egg. And I don't think Notre Dame's going to lay an egg this week. I don't think that at all. I think they're going to put up yards. They're going to put up points. This isn't going to be your typical Clemson versus a top 10 team where we've just kind of grown used to like playing Notre, uh, playing Miami and just beating the britches off of them, you know, or playing, or playing like UNC and beating them. It, it, this isn't like that. Or an ACC championship game. I think this Notre Dame team can pose a threat to Clemson. I just don't know how they'll do it yet on the offensive side of the ball. The plus side that they have when it comes to their offense is Clemson is very short-staffed at defense this week again. You know, Skalski's out for the second week in a row. He's, pro- he's probably going to miss... I would assume if the season keeps on going the way I would like it to, they're probably going to hold him out for for the rest of the regular season, you know. So we're without our linebacking captain, without that fifth-year guy, without the experience. So we have Spectre and Venables stepping up. And from what I saw in the BC game, they're both phenomenal guys, but I could see a little bit of a difference when it comes to decision-making and what to do and when to do it between Skalski and Spectre. There were times where Spectre would get pressure on Djokovic and just that split second of whether it be hesitation or deciding to go for the hit and not for the pass block or whatever it, it may be, just that split second difference was between a sack or an incompletion and a first down. You know, and the same thing with with Venables, just that split second difference that can that can make or break a make or break a drive ending play. So Notre Dame is going to get a little bit of help from our defensive guys being out, but I mean we aren't we 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 don't have a big talent drop off from our ones and twos. I mean, like you said, we too deep. We rotate our guys. Our guys are not freshmen. They aren't inexperienced. They've played probably hundreds of snaps already. They're ready for the moment. They're going to play very well. And even though we have we have crucial big name big names on our inactive list, we aren't losing any players. You know, we're just we're just too deep on defense right now. 
Yeah, I, you know, going into last week, everybody's everybody's talking about how losing Trevor is going to affect us so much. But I think everybody was really underestimating losing, you know, the three defensive starters. I think Skowski was obviously a big deal, you know, the heart and soul of the defense. And then I think Mike Jones is a big deal too. I mean, he's been in the – He's been in the system for three years. He knows what to do, and I think that was just a, a really underrated blow that the defense took. And then any time you don't have Tyler Davis, I mean, that's huge. I mean, you got guys like Brissy that can go in there and do their thing, but, I mean, Tyler Davis has proven he's a he's 100% a dude, and um, I think people were just kind of underestimating what those three losses would do for the defense. I mean, yeah, we – I kind of hate to put it in in this context, but we've but we lost more talent on the defensive side than on the quarterback side. And people are going to call me ignorant and say, "Oh my god!" Like, listen, these Clemson fans like they lose Trevor Lawrence, probably the best quarterback prospect in 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 over a decade, and they're like, "We lost more talent on the defense," but that's accurate. That's an accurate statement right now. You know, we lost our captain, our leader on defense. We lost a defensive tackle, a nose guard who can eat up a double team and still get to the quarterback. We lost Jones Jr., who plays a lot like Dorian O'Daniel, who, you know, and it's not just because he's wearing number six. You know, Jones can come in off can come in off the edge, can play the read option, can pressure the quarterback, can can run a stint and go on the inside. He can rush between the tackles or he can cover a tight end out <clears throat> out in coverage, you know. So we we lost a lot of that stuff. Plus side is from what I'm hearing from the from from interviews this week is even though we lost a great leader in Skalski, we're gaining a new one. Apparently Nolan Turner is starting to lead defensive film sessions and he's and he's and he's telling defensive linemen what to do and when to do it, and he's doing it correctly. You know, Nolan Turner is one of those guys that you can't you can't help but love him. I don't care who you are, and and I've spoken to to uh, Ohio State fans who you know he ended their season. He he ended what a lot of people thought was the best Ohio State team in years this season, and the, the, they can't speak none nothing but love for the dude, you know? So I think this past week, the lack of leadership from Skalski took a hit, but it's amazing to hear guys like Nolan Turner and Jake Venables stepping up and being, being those outright leaders. You know, the guys that, that don't have an issue with telling you what to do and when to do it. And it's not because they're power hungry. It's because they're right. It's because They've been in the system for years. You know, if, if uh, you're Jake Venables, yeah, this, this is only your th- this is the second year at Clemson. You're, you're, Brent, you're, you're Brent Venables' son. You have been in the system since you were born. So you understand it. You know, Nolan Turner being a fifth-year guy, you know, he's been in the system. He gets it. So it's phenomenal to hear that we have that kind, that kind of leadership on the, de- on the defensive side. Now, on the offensive side, you know, we're losing the leader. We're losing Trevor Lawrence, you know, and this Notre Dame defense, in my opinion, is going to be the best defense we face this entire season. 
You know, they're the way they play football is very similar to Clemson. You know, they get after the quarterback, they send pressure, they leave their they leave their guys out wide on islands. The only difference I would say is they don't disguise their looks the way Clemson does. If you're a quarterback and you're reading Notre Dame, you see blitz, you read blitz, your linemen read blitz. Notre Dame's still going to get through, and they're still going to get after you. They're still going to apply pressure and get those hits. You know, um, but I say that, and, like, I have this entire, like, thesis written up. Like, I have, like, an essay. I have this film that I studied. And then I go and read an article from a Notre Dame beat writer today from one of their defensive linemen who's, like, a team captain. And he goes, yeah. They have a freshman quarterback. We're going to have to disguise stuff. We're going to have to get tricky. We're going to have to keep them guessing. And I'm like, well, throw that out the window, you know. So I really do feel, I really do feel we're going to see a lot of parity on the defensive side of the ball this, this week. We're almost going to see two Clemson-style defenses play on the same field. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if they – if they actually come up and try to disguise things or if, you know, that's just a little bit of a little bit of coach speak coming out through the players, trying to put a little bit of extra stuff in the minds of the Clemson football players, trying to get in their heads a little bit, you know, whenever I think, I think Notre Dame's a top, top five, top six total defense. When you're, when you're that good on defense and you think you have to come out and be gimmicky and, and try to hide more stuff than you normally do. I just I don't think that's a good recipe for success. I think you're trying to do something that you're not and be something that you're not. I uh I think they should just come out stick to the game plan. Obviously it's working for them so far. I think they're giving up uh four like 4.4 yards of play this year. Um I mean they you know they're a good defense. They got lots of talent. I don't think they need to go outside of themselves and try to be anything that they're not. Yeah, it's it's one of those things like as as a defense you hear, oh my god, Trevor Lawrence is out. And even though you you hear the name DJ Uyangalale and you hear the praise he gets, it's one of those things like you can't help but drink the Kool-Aid. You know, you can't help but think, "Oh my god, it's a true freshman quarterback." So 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 we need to try to keep him guessing, to trick him. And just like you said, the issue with doing that is you're doing something you you don't do consistently. You're doing you're going kind of against your identity. And I have bad news. If you do that against a team like Clemson, an offense like Clemson, a coaching staff like Clemson, you are going to get burnt, and you're going to get beat, and you're going to get burnt bad because. When Clemson faces teams who like to disguise looks, like Syracuse, who likes to disguise their looks, you know, Ohio State, who likes to disguise their looks, well, I have bad news for you. Come the second half starts rolling around, Clemson under Clemson are, has a half a film of you of you trying to disguise looks, and they're just going to pick you apart. You know, look at the look at the Ohio State game, you know. They were disguising looks. They were getting hits on Trevor. They were – honestly, Trevor was guessing at some points. 
But second half rolls around. We have made we have made the adjustments we have needed to make, and we're moving the ball and we're mo- moving it with with impunity. We're getting after Ohio State's defense, and I think if Notre Dame wants to be gimmicky and wants to be cheeky and wants to try to disguise looks, they better be prepared for DJ to blow the top off this defense because he probably has the strongest arm in college football and he's a true freshman. So if, if Notre Dame wants to be gimmicky and cheeky, I say, let him do it. It's going to be their own funeral. And I think if they go away from what they are, if they step away from their identity from what they've done this season, it's only going to end in heartache because they're stopping teams. You know, they have a top five defense right now. They're stopping teams. And you're at the point in the year where you don't want to change your identity. You know, maybe maybe if this game was early in the year, you're like, okay, let's try let's try some new things. But we're over halfway through the season. We are going through the home stretch of this season. Notre Dame cannot afford to start pulling stuff out of the bag. You know, they have their prop set. They have everything that they need in front of them. They, they just need to piece it together. They, 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 they can't throw, throw something new. They can't th- throw in a wrench. They have to do what's been working well. But it's also one of those things you kind of have to see. They've been doing, they've been doing very well in just playing just a basic, you know, front four, three behind, a four three defense. But they're doing it against teams that just aren't any good. You know, they're doing teams that don't have a heartbeat, that don't have a pulse. That I hate to say it, they aren't playing for anything of significance this year. The teams they faced thus far aren't playing for an ACC championship. They aren't playing for a, a New Year's Six Bowl. They aren't playing for this. Some of them are just trying to play for a winning record. So I understand where Notre Dame is coming from with the thought of, well, we're, we're playing Clemson. We need to start pulling stuff out of the bag. you know. And that might work for a quarter or for a half. But it's not against Clemson. It's not going to work for an entire game. You rarely see it work for an entire game. So I think if Notre Dame has any shot or any chance or or any hope of pulling something off, they just need to do what they've been doing this season, and they just need to execute. You know, this is one of the only games of the year where I can't say talent is – the difference maker in this game. It's going to come down to which team executes. You know, does DJ hit his throws? Does does DJ read the mark? Does Travis hit his gaps? You know, does Notre Dame fill their gaps? Do they cover their men? Do they play disciplined football? Because all of that is going to decide who wins this game. It's not going to be talent. It isn't, it isn't going to be hype. It isn't going to be who wants it more. It's going to be execution and coaching and both of these teams, for the most part, are very equal in that sense. And you can even see that 
in in this week's betting. You know, we have a we have a low over under this week. You know, fifty one and a half. You know, we have a very close spread. Clemson Clemson opened up at seven and a half. It has been bet down to five and a half. You know, so you know, uh, before we get into making our picks for this week's betting odds, let's recap last week's. You know, both Drew and I, we both took the over and Clemson on the spread. Well, I don't remember what the spread was, but I don't think, but I don't think Clemson covered. Yeah, no, I know the. I think the spread had dropped to like twenty four and a half after after DJ was named the starter with Trevor getting COVID. So definitely didn't cover the spread, um, even though it dropped a, a pretty significant amount whenever. Whenever Trevor, uh, the news about Trevor came out with COVID. I mean, yeah, so both of us got, so both Drew and I got one out of two on our betting, on our betting takes that, that puts me three for four and Drew sitting at 500 at two for four. So I think this is one of those games where we're going to see we're going to see different takes and we're going to see this and that. So I'm going to let Drew go first. Drew, who, who are you taking with the spread and what are you taking over yeah, so, under? You know, I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to get it for this. Uh, you know, Tiger drew the big Homer always picking Clemson or whatever, but you know, I just, I got a, a feeling, you know, we see what happens whenever, you know, all everybody and all the talking heads of the ESPN are saying, Oh, Clemson could lose this game. You see the, the team and the coaches come out with a little bit different fire than you see for a game at noon against Boston College or Syracuse. I've actually uh, – I'll give you my score prediction. I'm, I'm sitting at 38-17 to 17, Clemson. Um, that's 55 points, so I'll take the over on that. And then five and a half, you know, I, I, I think we run away with the game. Um, so, give me, give me Clemson on the spread and give me the over. You got us winning 38-17. to 17. All right. Yeah, and you know, like you said, we in games like this where I don't know if this week's called actually no, it's not is it college game day? Yes. No. I honestly I, I don't know. I think it is. I think it should be. You know, yeah, it's one versus four. It's called game day, but it's on but it's on NBC, so that always throws you for a loop. Um but I mean yeah, you kinda hit it well. In games like this where, where everyone's like, I don't know, you know, this team might beat Clemson, you kind of see Clemson just go, yeah, the hell you're not. And we just kind of op- just open up a fresh, a, a fresh, brand new, previously sealed can of whoop-ass on someone, you know. Um, but I'm going to go with a little bit different approach. Uh, I'm not going to give a score prediction – I don't really like score predictions because, you know, they kind of because if you're because if you're off by a lot, you feel kind of stupid about it. Um, but I am, but I am going to take the over. Uh, I do think Clemson and Notre Dame put up a lot of points. I do think it's if I were to put a prediction, it'd be around, you know, n- low forties, high thirties. So like. I'd say 42 to 38, but I do have Notre Dame covering at five and a half. You know, I do think this, uh, this, 
Notre Dame team playing at home, you know, playing in South Bend, you know, in November, they are, they are going to have that extra push to be competitive and to do this. And I think, I think this game kind kind of enters a little bit of, of, of a shootout phase late. You know, I think it could be very reminiscent of Clemson and Notre Dame back in 2015. Clemson opens up big, they go up, you know, they go up like, 21-7 or like 28-10, halftime starts to flutter around, Notre Dame gets that late touchdown, and then they come out come out in the second half and, and they put points up. And, and, and just one of those games, like Clemson leads the whole way, but it gets to the point where we're kind of we're kind of on our heels back in the end. So I am gonna take Notre Dame on the spread because I just I just don't see them laying down and taking a bludgeoning at home, you yeah, know. So um, I definitely think a little bit, you know, we'll, a little bit different. I I don't expect it to be a, a lopsided score at half. I'm thinking, you know, I, I've got them scoring 17 total, so I'm thinking maybe 21 to 10 at the half. You know, still a pretty close game, maybe a late score for going into the half, and then you know I think coaching takes over. I think they go into the into the locker room at half, and you know maybe they've missed a couple plays, left a couple points on the board, and the coaches really just get into them, and they come out for the second half, and it's just lights out. Yeah, absolutely. But um, you know, anyway, that uh, that is our third episode of the twin of the twin tiger show. We spoke a little bit a little bit about Halloween scare versus Boston College. A, a little bit Trevor and COVID and DJ and such, and then we got into this. Notre Dame game. But again, my name is Tiger Aaron alongside with Tiger Drew. And thank you for listening to the Twin Tiger Show.